0: Dude, this dog like stinks man. Okay groomer, do something about it man
1: Hey all you pet stylists You found the groom pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you, I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird.
0: Hey, Susie, how are you doing
1: today? I am doing spectacularly for a change, right? You know, because I'm always such a downer. Hey, you're never a downer. It's true. I'm not much of a downer. I actually find it a waste of time. So, hey, it's episode 366, and I realized we have 366 episodes. So if we were doing Uh, one a day, we would have filled a whole year up. It was a convoluted way to get there. But yeah, 366 (laughs) episodes. Uh, It's March 5th. 2023. And we are in Snohomish, Washington and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, Best Shot Show Season, Evolution Shears, Groom More, and Stazco. And if you guys would like to support us as well, you can do so at our website, thegroompod.com, where you can find the donation button for a one-time tip or the Patreon button to support us throughout the year. Hey, Barbara, what's new? Hey, wait, what's new is brought to you by Groom More Software. If you haven't found Groommore, you're missing out. More is an all in one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groommore has everything you need 24 hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop, mobile, or house call. Groomer has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. I suppose I should tell you what we're talking about today. We're talking about what happens when you spot a flea. Ah! I know it strikes fear into all of our hearts, but what do you do when you, after you've panicked? And uh, also, cats and essential oils. So Barbara,
0: what happened to you this week? Well, yesterday, I have a customer with two Westies in full skirted coats that comes not often enough. And last time she came, I charged her a lot of money and suggested that she rebook so that maybe we could get it under control. Well, she didn't rebook for close enough. I think she rebooked for like eight weeks or something. And the dogs came in yesterday and it was the same old shit. One of the two dogs is a male that's oversized and has a silky coat that mats like crazy and he hates being groomed. Oh, that's fun. owner can't touch him. And when she says, I can't groom him, he's going to bite me. I know she's telling the truth. I'm sure we have such a time, you know, and poor poor Yvonne, I made her muzzle the dog. I mean, she was going to get bit. Yeah, that's not good. There's a time and a place for muzzles, Yvonne, and this is it. You know, and then she didn't secure his head to the grooming post. You know, she likes the least restraints possible. But when you've got a dog that's growling and snapping and snarling and, you know, protesting, you need to do maximum security for your sake and for the dog's sake. And so I made her tighten up the restraints and secure him to the grooming post and put a muzzle on him. And, you know, like as soon as he was muzzled and tied up and restrained, he was much better. They
1: know. I feel like you should always set the dog up for success by using the tools as needed. Like, I don't immediately hook everybody to the jungle gym, but I almost always do hook the front of the dog up to the post. Almost always. You know,
0: it just is better that way. I rarely do that, but part of it is because, well, part of it is because I, I have got too much clutter on my two, my two grooming posts of hot, Hooks on them, hooks on the hooks, and I, you know, I've got just paraphernalia, grooming paraphernalia, hanging there, and makes it um, difficult to to get, you know, like anyway. So I don't do that so often, but I know when I need to do that, and I have grooming loops that have stationary rings in them in order to work with that kind of a system. And when it's necessary, it's necessary. And I charged her $175 for those two dogs. The other one is pretty easy peasy and has much less coat. It's a more traditional terrier coat. And it brushes out easier and the dog doesn't resist. And so I can just charge $75 for that one, but I have to charge more for that male. So I charge her a honking $175 and she tipped $25, but she didn't rebook because the rebooking didn't pay off for her in any way. Yeah, I could see that. I couldn't reduce my price on Andy, the male, because he was just like so terrible. A hundred bucks was actually a deal. I don't know another groomer that would have combed that dog out. And she would just die if she didn't have her full skirted
1: dog. So you are the queen of making sure not to damage the coat. But at this point, isn't some of that just because the coat's damaged? It
0: is because the coat's damaged. And you know what I did yesterday? I removed all of my slicker brushes, unprotected slicker brushes, from the back grooming table. I'm just gonna hide them. I don't I'm just have to deal with where am I gonna am I gonna actually bring them home <laughs> or am I gonna hide them because I know that Dave's gonna go looking for them. But I just cannot allow these groomers of mine to keep using those brushes that I know are contributing. When you have a skirted coat that has to exist on the dog for years, you're going to have accumulated damage no matter what you do. But if you use sharp tools that are going to poke and scrape and scratch the hair cuticle, that damage is going to accumulate and cause matting problems. Yvonne was just doing it to my face. I mean, I just turned around and she's using this big blue angle buster slicker brush, curved slicker with sharp pins. And I just took it out of her hand. I said, do not use this. And then I gathered up all the others and I'm just going to you're so sneaky Tied them. I, I, well, well, you're not I, sneaky Because
1: you, you let them know But then, you know, you got to do what you got to do
0: Yeah, you know, and the, you got to do what you got to do And I have threatened to do that On numerous occasions And now I just said, okay, I'm doing it I have so many tools We have so many options We have good slickers that do the job That are protected pins Use them Yes Don't just grab this. But I like a curved plate because it's easier to brush it up. Well, so sorry. (laughs) You know, not if it's going to nick and scratch. I don't know why it's so hard to get my own staff to believe me. It's just true that when something is accumulative in nature, you can't see it, the direct cause effect. It's very hard to convince people. It's true. It's true. It's true. So that
1: you can't ever back that damage off at this point. That hair is no, grown you and, can't. Right. You,
0: no, you can temporarily. You can use conditioners that will temporarily, especially if they have proteins that will fill in those cracks and that will seal the hair shaft. And but it's going to wear off.
1: What would be the ideal? grooming period for these dogs then with the damaged coat, would it be weekly? I mean, if you really wanted
0: to get through it or? No, I think monthly would, would help a whole lot, but she's not going to pay. Yeah. (laughs) She's not going to pay, you know, 150. She's not going to pay the money to do it every month. I think I'm going to suggest to her next time they come that I trim The coat that, like, can you trust me to trim this coat so it'll still look like a Westie? I'm not going to shave it, but let me trim it up so that there's less pulling and tugging that involved in grooming the dog. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, fingers crossed. I am so, I was going to say patronizing towards my customers, but I'm so accommodating. That's the right word. And yesterday I, I had a couple of last minute cancellations. So what I had, I had the two toy poodles that never have made an appointment on on first try yet. Yes. (laughs) You know, so I had them in the book for one o'clock and then another one of my often canceled people called to get magnet in. And I said, Oh, you know, those dogs might fail. I'll just put magnet in there and we'll have something to do this afternoon. Right? Well, I got a text from the owner of the two toy poodles. My dad, Marshall, who usually brings a dog in now and gives me a hundred dollar tip. My dad is out of town. He had booked for three weeks. My dad is out of town and I'm in bed with a sinus headache and I have to cancel the appointment. I can't make it. You know, Susie, how do you tell when a client is lying? I have to see their face. You have to see their face? I don't. I'm not paranoid. I don't think that people lie to me very often because of who I am. I mean, not who I am in the industry, but just the kind of person I am. I'm not easy to lie to. Because I'm open and, and it's easy. I admit my weaknesses and failures, and you know, you can too. As does the, the old man that brings those two poodles, but this daughter, i never met her. She'd never made an appointment. I just don't believe that she had a sinus headache, that she was sick. I get it. Uh, my spidey senses just said, uh, she just doesn't want to bring the dogs in because it's only been three weeks. I think you're dead on. So now I have to decide how I'm going to handle that. But then what happened after that, I got this text from Magnet's owner, my backup guy. And she said, one of my front teeth just fell out. Can we
1: reschedule? Oh, my. That's something that really probably happened because you wouldn't
0: fake that mistake. (laughs) You wouldn't fake that. I've had that happen. I know how awful it is to lose a visible tooth like that. And I just said, just bring him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I said, we can offer it. We can do curb service. You won't have to get out of the car. We'll just come get him. He's itching and allergic, and he needs my medicated itching shampoo. Just bring him. Tell her you'll take yours out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'll okay. take my teeth. I'll take the whole thing out. Come on now. <laughs> Von will greet you. He, she certainly doesn't care. Nobody has to see you. So then she brought him. I just put a little bit of pressure on her. I said, you know, I really need to do him now because I don't have any openings next week. Because I already rebooked the poodles for next week. So come on, people. You can't just keep filling my week and canceling my week and (laughs) filling the next week. You know, I need money and I need it now. (laughs) Bring your dog. But she got sick after the dentist visit. So then she called and she couldn't pick him up. Well, that's a conundrum. What are you going to do? She kind of lives in the hood. Okay. I got back to her. She's got a backup person that takes Magnet, but she couldn't take him or something. And I said, your house is on my way to the Mexican food place that I'm going to after work. I can just bring him to you. And she said, okay, that will work. And then she got back to me and said that this other person was picking him up. Oh, that sometimes works
1: and sometimes doesn't.
0: And I charged her for a full groom and it was really nothing but a bath and kind of trim up. But I charged her for a full groom, $75, and she tipped me 25 and zelled it right to my bank. You know, I felt a little guilty. And Yvonne says, no, don't feel bad. Dean's backed out so many times. It's a cancellation fee. It's fair that you should get that this time. So that that was my day yesterday. It was kind of weird and and kind of... Yeah. I was glad the day was done. Let's put it that way. Yes. Well, I've often
1: talked about Buddy the Bichon and yep. how I was trying to sculpt him into a really honestly beautiful sculpted Bichon with a cute butt and a nice crest. And the last time I went oh, there, I, I suggested on your advice as well, to go to one length all over for the body and make it a little easier for him because he's so stressed all the time. You know, as much time as we've spent together since he was a baby, he still doesn't like leaving the house. I think he's agoraphobic. I think that's buddy. So you take him outside and he starts to shake a little bit and worry. And uh, I take him in the trailer and I calm him down as best I can. But he does not enjoy the grooming process. And I have to say, this time was so much easier because I wasn't stressed about the haircut. I think I was probably adding to his anxiety by being anxious about getting a decent haircut on him while he moves the whole time. And I'm trying to scissor, which isn't my area of expertise. So I'm really happy with that. I wanted to thank you for suggesting that maybe I should just simplify that haircut a little bit. The important thing for them is that the head looks decently round and that he doesn't have a flat top because I'm not the best groomer.
0: (laughs) Occasionally, I give a little flat top. (laughs) That's because you use the clipper back on the top of their head.
1: Yes, that's why. I know why. Well, I can usually (laughs) match it pretty decently, but if I don't leave enough cheek in there, it gets to... Yeah, it's a little... Anyway, so (laughs) that was cool. That was like a win for me because it took less time. He was less stressed. and quite frankly, I do that haircut much better. I just do it better because it's what my norm is. So I was happy that she let me change that. And I got, I did, I did a Barbara. I did some shopping. I did a random shop on Facebook, which I know you can get ripped off that way. I know you can. I have broken and stepped on like three water peelers from Romani. And I Right now, I've got tape all over the one I was using, and it's cracked. And to get it shipped from them was going to cost me a fortune. Just for one more water peeler, I would have probably bought three of them, knowing that I would break them again. I don't know why I break that particular one. I suspect it's the design. So I bought this new water peeler. First of all, it comes in a variety of colors. (laughs) That caught my attention. (laughs) That's a good good smell. (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) Right? And it looked like the same base as the Romani one yeah, I mean, it looked really similar. I figured it would probably fit in the end of my k nine two hose, So I bought it. And when it showed up, it turns out to be it's a little thicker plastic, so I probably won't break this one. It's a little wider across the whole thing and the, the mouth. yeah, the mouth. and then the actual slit for the mouth is skinnier. So you got a little more surface and a little less airflow. But I'm finding it's working great. I'm really happy with it.
0: Yeah, it probably delivers a little bit more pressure. So it pushes the hair out.
1: And it's not as noisy. Not that the peeler is noisy because it's not really that noisy. But this one is even a little better ergonomically to hold. It's a little shorter. I love it. I love it. I'm really happy about it. And it was done by C&S. So if you see it pop up on your feed and you're curious, they also have a shorter length one and a round one. They've got some other different unique looking nozzles. I was only brave enough to get the one because I didn't like the way the tape looked on the water peeler. Otherwise it was functioning, but stuck was sticking to the tape. But that was cool. And I'll post a picture of it on our Facebook group if you guys are curious. And I'll try to find the link.
0: Do you remember some weeks back? I had to have a conversation with Dave about his drying. And he was using the cone nozzle on everything. Yes. And he was waving it too much. And so I told him that the name of this other nozzle was water peeler. And it was named that because it was designed specifically to chase the water off the dog. And this is how he had to use it. Now he doesn't use anything else. Oh, how great. And he was talking to me about an interaction he had with a client because they are going to get a dryer to use at home on their bearded collie puppy. Dave told the owner to use (laughs) the flat nozzle instead of the cone nozzle. I like the
1: water peeler much better than the cone nozzle. It's not quite the same. It's a little different, but once you get the hang of it, it strips out the undercoat quite nicely.
0: I think so too. I think it's the best all-around nozzle that you can use, and every now and then, well, and and I also go with no nozzle. I do that a lot. And when I was using my canine tube, I had a gray tube that was just a connecting piece between the hose and their attachment. I used that because that just narrowed the round thing partway just a little bit which provided a little bit more force. Nozzles are very important. Yeah, I use that for probably
1: 80% of my drying and 20% I use the peeler. I still love
0: that brush dryer that I recently bought and I'm using it more and more. And yesterday I insisted that Yvonne use it on the poodle. I did the two standard poodles that I do. I said, please use the brush at the end of the drying process on the poodle ears. And she got the ears so much better. She had not been using that. I have one of those poodle and tassel ears. Yeah, And his ears were coming out curly and stringy. And it would drive me crazy because I knew what they could look like. Well, yesterday she used that brush dryer and it came out so nice. I was so proud of the ears. I'm torn Um, with the
1: space. Do I have space for one more thing to fit in the trailer? Am I going to use it more than I use the handheld dryer? Do I need both of them? It's only because
0: space is a premium. I know. I know. And you can take the head off of this dryer and use it as a handheld dryer, but it's not going to have the volume and force that a real handheld dryer has. I know. It's four dogs that are... Timid, you know, like what I would do if I were you, I would get one and I would carry it only when I have a dog that I know is afraid of getting its face and head dried. Okay. Instead of trying to find a way to store it constantly. Would I find one of
1: these on that new shopping site you've been on? Timu, no. No, okay. It's a found
0: it on Amazon, but it was less than 30 bucks. Well,
1: they're all over the place on
0: AliExpress. But not this one. Probably not. See, what's good about this dryer, and you can have me repost the link when you post the episode. This dryer has air that flows all the way around the brush head. So the first brush dryer that I got had air that was underneath the brush head. And that was a little bit tricky for me. And then the second one that I got had air that was on top of the brush. And that was unsatisfactory. I mean, it wasn't perfect. And so when I saw this one that was blowing the air around the brush, I thought, voila. And it has a slicker brush head with protected tips. Okay. And it's more narrow at the front where the brush head is, where you want to hold it. So it's more comfortable than the big fat one that I had that was doing an okay job, but it was uncomfortable on my hand. So this is comfortable. It has air that flows solidly around the brush. You can take the head off and just use a full air on the dog. It can go hot or cool. You can go low or high.
1: Okay, you've sold me, (laughs) you've sold me. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Hey, let's take a break and let's head into our first appointment, which is what to do when you spot a flea. Did you know that Stasco has come out with a couple of new products? First, there is the Stasco Oatmeal Protein Conditioner. This conditioner provides exceptional body and manageability and super shiny finishes. And it has a wonderful apple scent that I love. Great in the recirculator, too. And they have a new matching protein conditioning spray, dematting, anti-static conditioning, and finishing all in one, just like the original Stasco spray, but with that delicious apple fragrance. Look for these new products at trade shows and your favorite distributors like Cascade Grooming Supplies. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. So, Barbara, you're working on a dog, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of your eye, you catch movement. So you pick the dog up by its front legs and look at its belly, and you find hitchhikers. What do you do? That's the question. What do you do? Because you've already got the dog in your possession, it's in your shop, and it's polluted, if you will. And you've already given it a bath? No, not yet. You're just just looking at it. Just checking it out. Well, it hardly ever happens (laughs) like that. I have to say, we don't have fleas in Tucson. I was just going to mention that. You are in such a nice, dry place that you don't really have them. I looked at a map and I looked at where fleas are and where they're not and where they're frequent and where they're seasonal. And the truth is, fleas, if you start at Washington State on the map of the United States and you go all the way down till about you hit L.A., No, even past LA, they say there's still some fleas, like the flea capital of San Diego, which I thought was interesting, right? And then you curve along and then there's like Utah and Arizona that really don't have flea seasons and then picks back up over there in some of the humid parts of Texas and then goes all the way around the other side up to North Carolina. And those people, we have fleas all year long. They don't go away. They are not seasonal for us. The rest of you guys, you've got them like varies anywhere like March or April or even some places, February, all the way to November or December. You guys deal with it then. I'm lucky I deal with it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every time. Because fleas like it to be dark and moist. And they even like it dark and moist and cold. <laughs> and, you know, we are the capital of dark, moist, and cold. And moist and cold. <gasps>
0: That's <laughs> why I can't live there. I That's know. why I can't go there and be with you. But it is because very green. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do dark, moist, and cold. I can't do dark. I got to have a sun. Yeah, we got a lot of dark. We have a lot of dark. Look, at. I'll tell you what we have. We could talk about what you would do but what we have are stick fleas. Those are weird. Yeah, the stick fleas are weird and uh, they survive the bath almost always. Yeah, so do all the other fleas. That's
1: the thing. They survive. Well, I don't know about when you add a surfactant but we'll talk about that in a little bit here. When I get a dog in the tub and I find a flea cuz I that's where I find them once I get them wet. Right, I get the dog wet. I see him moving in there. At that point, I will make sure they're alive, right? Because sometimes you see a flea, you may you may not see this, but oftentimes if people are using a topical flea medication, the fleas are on the dog still, but they're dead. They're dead. Yeah, yeah. And they're flat, and they don't have any blood in them. And when you try to smash them, nothing happens. But the particular way that I kill fleas, I don't know about the rest of you guys, is I smash them between my fingernails until they pop. And that's the only way I can feel comfortable, like I've really taken them out.
0: Yeah, I do that with ticks. I do that with ticks. I pull them out and then I sever them with my thumbnail on my finger. Well, I also will kill them with a dot of dish soap. Oh, yeah, that'll do it too. Yeah, absolutely. I have dish soap at my tub because I do sometimes wash dishes. We have water bowls and all this kind of stuff. And so I have it at my fingertips and I'll just put a drop on the, you know, or if it's a tick, I'll pull the tick off and put it on the edge of the tub and give it a drop of dish soap and it's goners from there on. So after I do
1: find a flea on somebody, I will take a moment as I'm washing the dog and text the owner and say, hey, I found a flea. Do you want me to give a cap star? I carry cap star in the trailer. And that way, if I've given a cap star, by the time the end of the groom is happening, the fleas that are dropping off have been infected with the cap star, hopefully, because it starts working pretty quick. 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. So I feel pretty confident if they let me give a cap star that I'm not going to have an infestation in my trailer, because that's the real risk. I have a very tiny space with lots of damp corners. And... Well, the whole thing is damp. Anyway, I'll ask if they want to give me to give a cap star, if they have a topical, they'll apply at home, or if they just want me to do a really good flea bath. Let's talk about doing a good flea bath. So fleas don't actually drown without assistance. They can live and they're very buoyant because they have a waxy cover to their exoskeleton and it actually even goes down into their trachea, the waxy part. And that's why you can't really drown them. They've got all kinds of like water repellent properties to them. And they're so tiny that they're buoyant. If there's nothing there to break the surface tension on the water, they'll just sit on the top of the water and in nature, they'll float along there for as long as they need to until they can catch a ride to the shore somehow, you know, get a leaf or, or some shoreline or whatever, but they can't float if you've got a surfactant in the water because it takes the waxy coating off of their skeleton and it makes it so that they can drown because
0: the water tension isn't there. So they sink. So stick fleas, for those who haven't encountered them, often attach to dogs or cats along the edges of the ears. They feel like scales. Oh, Yeah, it feels like scales and there's a certain feel, but you don't go feeling along the edge of every dog's ears so that if the dog is coated, they can escape you and they don't seem to die with the shampoo. This is one of the only weaknesses, I would say, of the recirculating bathing system is that it dilutes the surfactant so much that it's not so toxic to the fleas anymore. And that's why I just put straight dish soap on a flea, you know. And actually, I will grab like a clarifying shampoo. If I'm going to give a flea bath, if I see something in the tub and I think, "Uh uh-oh, I've got more than one here... I will just grab a clarifying shampoo or a degreasing shampoo that has a higher concentration of stronger surfactant and do a hand bath. Just apply it straight on, rub it in real good all over and let it sit for five minutes and then rinse it. And pretty much that will take care of most of the fleas. When I have a tick, I just squirt it with Adam's tick spray and kill it like that. And if I have stick fleas, I will use a Q-tip and apply the Adams flea and tick spray to the edge of the ear and cover the ticks and, um, and try to kill them that way. That's crazy, I just looked at a picture, I had a whole different
1: picture of what it would look like. I was thinking like it was a straight body, but it still just
0: looks like a flea, it's just a really sticky one. They usually are grouped together and so they layer themselves on top of each other and that's what feels like scales to your thumb or your fingers at the edge of the ear. And as soon as I feel that, I know what that is. It's amazing how much a groomer's sense of touch is one of our secret powers.
1: (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) So my favorite shampoo to use, as you were mentioning earlier, for flea situations is grime time, mostly because I like the way it feels in my hand. And if I'm going to hand bathe, I use that. I do use it in the recirculator, too, but it's really great for hand bathing and it's nice and powerful in its surfactant
0: grime time is straight sodium laurel sulfate oh that's why yeah that's why it will kill fleas and you're right if i have a jar of grime time it's very easy to just stick your finger in the jar and dab that on a critter
1: Or if you want to be very hygienic, you take your tongue depressor and you stick that in the pot. But I really do like digging my clean fingers into that pot. It's just fun. But it's always, almost always solid where we live. There's only like a couple months out of the year where it gets to be a liquid. (laughs) Well, yeah. So let's
0: explain. Okay. Sodium lauryl sulfate is the, the one surfactant that will turn to a gel when it's cold. So it just gels up. Uh, It just has to do with its little molecules in there. They just puff up and gel the, the substance. And so the grime time is sold in a jar. And in the winter, you can't pour it because it's gelled up. But we like the kind of slimy texture that it is. <laughs> and it works really good. You're such good. a 10-year-old. You are such a 10-year-old. <laughs> you probably played with slime when you were a kid. No, they didn't have it. I would
1: have. My, um. ma- my parents would have never let that in the house, though, so it would have been a non-starter. <laughs> but I would have wanted to try it. Yeah, so I'll grime time them up and let them sit maybe five minutes, ten minutes. How long do you think you need to let those fleas soften?
0: Five. If it's ticks, I might go longer, but five minutes for fleas. And then you got to condition after you use that stuff because that's a harsh surfactant. And it's going to strip the natural oils for sure. So follow up with a conditioner. Yeah. So just like it strips the waxy coating of the flea or tick, it's going to strip the natural oils on the hair shaft and maybe on the skin. So you follow up with a good conditioner. And then... I'll
1: put a towel down behind the dog to try and catch any freeloaders that happen to be still alive and land because they do seem to be attracted to the towels. And at least I can catch them that way. And then I call the rest of the people on my appointment schedule and let them know that there was a flea in there. And what do you guys want to do?
0: Oh, I never do that. I never do
1: that. Right. But you have a whole shop. I have an eight by 10 amount of space. It depends. If it's not a huge flea infestation, like the one that happened just recently this week was
0: three fleas, and I think they were dead. Well,
1: so I didn't bother.
0: I would only alert other because I don't want to trigger their paranoia about fleas in my shop. Makes sense. So I only alert people when I know I've dealt with an infestation and I've had dozens of fleas on an animal, then it's likely that there are some free fleas in your environment. But if it's just one or two or three fleas on an animal, I'm not going to alert the whole system. I will tell the people
1: that I know are hypersensitive because there are some people that are like really obsessive with their pets and things like that. They actually appreciate knowing that somebody had a flea in there and I tell them to watch for it. Uh, But I'm with you, actually, if there's not a big enough infestation, I'm not going to worry people unnecessarily. But I'll go in and vacuum everywhere in my corners and do that. And I'll empty my clipper back. If I've done a clip clipper back haircut, I'll empty the clipper back, put it in a bag and tie it off, preferably leaving it at the house that had the fleas. In their garbage. That's what I like to do. I don't like to take the remainder hair that gets sucked up in the clipper back. I don't want to take that then to the next house and the next house and then empty it at my house and end up with fleas hanging out at my house. So I will try to always leave that at the house I'm at. I know you guys in shops don't get that. That's it. It's flea season. Get ready. Get yourself some grime time. The majority of the information I got is off of a website called fleascience.com which was really an interesting site. They happened to mention that Don Dish Soap is a great killer of fleas because it's primarily the same as grime time. <laughs> well,
0: and it has alcohol in it. So what we need to know about alcohol is that alcohol is a knockdown chemical. It will render the flea disabled temporarily. So if you've got a bunch of fleas flitting around an animal that you're just taking in and you can't get it to the tub right away, you can spray some alcohol on it and that will like disable the fleas temporarily. Dawn dish soap has alcohol in it and it's a solvent for grease on your dishes. And so it's uh, it gives it extra potency for stripping that waxy coating of the exoskeleton of the flea or tick. Then also super
1: important to condition afterwards, like you said. Always. Yeah. And apparently, Jet Dry, I don't know uh, how many people use Jet Dry. It's like uh, an addition to your dish soap that you put in a little separate thing and it keeps the spotting off of your glasses and things like that. Apparently, Jet Dry is just a surfactant with no foaming agent. So that's another option. And about Capstar,
0: Capstar has a very safe history, very safe history. And the only reason I I don't carry and keep Capstar with me is that my flea incidents are so rare that my Capstar expires out before I get to use it. And the stuff is fairly expensive, but you can buy Capstar online. You can keep it in your shop if you live in a flea area and you can use it with the owner's permission and charge them for it. That's what I do. You can even charge as much as $10 and make a slight profit off it if you wish. But you need to shop around online because I found that I was looking at Capstar for large dogs and it runs anywhere from like $39 to $99 online. $99 was petco. Yeah, that's a widespread. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a widespread. So, you know, like you want to shop around. My mama done told me you got to shop around. (laughs) Oh, baby. Well, I think that
1: puts the flea funerals to rest at this point. Let's move on to our next appointment. But first, we've got some bills to pay.
0: Hey, Chris Bear Anthony here. You may know I've been swiveling for years now with my beloved Evolution shears, but I wasn't actually born with a pair of swivel shears in my hands. Check out our website and Facebook page for our library of how-to videos, or give me a shout for a personalized guide. Your hands will thank you. Don't forget, GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GroomPod. What are you waiting for? Give them a try today.
1: Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people
0: request a scent-free option, I go right to show season. I think that everybody should have show season true tearless shampoo and show season hypo conditioner on hand. Show Season has formulated True Tearless Shampoo with alternative surfactants that are less irritating, but still clean very well. And the Hypo Conditioner is one of the best fragrance-free conditioners in the market. And if you guys would like to find
1: some Show Season True Tearless or Hypo Conditioner, go to showseasongrooming.com. Rumors? Take your seats. It's time for Beebird's Classroom. Essential oils and cats come up quite regularly on the internet, and there's all kinds of misinformation out there. Can you kind of give us a little overview of the cat versus
0: essential oil debate? Well, I will. And I'll tell you that remember I was saying that it's hard to study something or nail down something that causes a reaction over a delayed period of time. And this is the problem with... So uh, so one of our groomers, who's also a speaker, messaged me and she said, I'm involved in an argument with some groomers about using essential oils with cats. Can you re- remind me what's going on there? She said, what's your science? What do you have? Well, You know, it's real hard to have science when something is accumulative and deadly over a period of time where some animals are affected worse than others. You know, it's just like not applicable to essential oils, which makes for it just fuels the arguments because you can't point to a specific study where they studied, you know, like 50 cats and when he died, right? Right, there's none of that. First of all, toxicity of essential oils is quite specific to cats. There are some essential oils that are also hazardous for dogs, um, like D-limonene and uh, tea tree oil can be, but cats are, as a species, susceptible to toxicity from essential oils because of a, a missing enzyme in their liver function. So, mm. they lack a specific liver, liver enzyme called glucuronotransferase. Mm. Gluco. Glucur- I can't say it. Cuckoo-cuckoo. <laughs> transferase, which is responsible for metabolizing and detoxifying many compounds, not just essential oils, uh, but including essential oils. And this means that the essential oils can accumulate in the cat's body, leading to toxicity and potential fatal effects. So, Hello. And I have to say that as a aromatherapist, which I practiced for quite a few years, I was in denial about this. Because it can't be scientifically established, I was in denial about the toxicity towards cats until I had a shop cat of my own die at nine years old, from liver kidney failure. And I didn't think of it at the time. You know, like I just thought, oh, poor Bubba. Short life. Yeah, that's a short life for a cat. That cat that you just saw scurrying out of my lap is like 16 years old. And I got to thinking later down the line, even more than a year after his death, that what was going on at my shop during his life was one of the periods where I was practicing the most use of essential oils. And I thought I was being very responsible because I was rotating what essential oil I was using. However, it was before I was really into the chemistry of the essential oil components. And it's possible you can rotate essential oils and still have a toxic compound, a potentially toxic compound being exposed to the cat. And also another added feature is the air movement in my shop is terrible.
1: Yeah, I've been there. I remember.
0: Yeah, it's stuffy. It's a stuffy environment. There's not a fresh air source. You're not going to open the front door and air it out like we now do because you got a cat living there and you don't want them to go out and get killed on the Grant Road. It was a poor air circulation and daily use of essential oils. When I was lecturing about it, when I believed it was good to have a fragrance up front when they first entered the building that was kind of a signature smell of your place, that's a really good use of essential oils, but not when you've got a shop cat. And I now believe that I very well may have shortened the life of Bubba the shop cat. Yeah, well, he bit a customer, so maybe it's better,
1: <laughs> better off
0: that he didn't last too long and didn't get grumpy. Yeah, yeah an old lady, he bit her. Whoops. <laughs> he was just nipping. But what do dog owners say when you say your dog bit me? Oh, yeah, he just nips every now and then. Oh, you must ah. have done something to make him bite you. That's another one. Yeah, you must have done something. (laughs) What did you do to make my cat bite you? Well, I didn't say that. But anyway, (laughs) I suspect that I may have reduced Baba's lifespan substantially by daily use of essential oils in his little stuffy environment. So there's more, there's more because now today I asked artificial intelligence about this. Oh, so yeah, (laughs) I really think uh, artificial intelligence has much to offer us in terms of information. And it's always well stated and you just have to kind of double check things. But there are some other risks that are associated with using essential oils around cats. One, respiratory problems. Cats have a highly sensitive respiratory system, and the inhalation of essential oils can cause breathing difficulties, coughing, and wheezing. Some essential oils can even cause respiratory distress, which can be fatal. Two, skin irritation. Essential oils can cause skin irritation and inflammation in cats, leading to rashes, redness, and itching. And some cats are more susceptible to skin reaction due to their own grooming behaviors, such as ingesting, licking, eating that uh, essential oils while cleaning themselves. Digestive problems. Some essential oils can cause gastrointestinal problems in cats when ingested. Symptoms may include vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. In severe cases of ingestion of essential oils can lead even to liver damage and organ failure. Neurological issues. Some essential oils can affect the nervous system of cats, leading to tremors, seizures, and even coma. These oils include wintergreen, camphor, and tea tree oil. Allergic reactions cats like humans can develop allergies to essential oils. Even if an oil is generally safe for cats, an individual cat may have an allergic reaction to it, leading to symptoms such as itching hives and swelling of skin. So there you have it. There are multiple risks associated with using essential oils on or in the presence of cats. For me, I finally got it. And I finally did a 180. The multi-level marketing people will tell you, just as long as you use their oils, there's no risk. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely false. oh Patty! Because it's not the quality of the essential oils that's toxic. It is the actual chemical components of some essential oils can be toxic. And like I said before, in terms of the uh, liver metabolization of essential oils, very hard to pinpoint. It's very rare that you're gonna have an immediate reaction. So often these kinds of bad effects are, kind of subnormal and accumulative and not tied to the actual date of the exposure of the cat to the substance. So just saying, um, I think it's best to avoid use of essential oils around cats. And even lavender, lavender, which is considered by and large to be like the safest all generally used essential oil in the world. Well, even lavender has been identified as allergy-causing.
1: I believe it, because it gives me a headache if it's the wrong strain. Lineal
0: acetate in lavender oil can be very sensitizing. That takes us to allergies, which is another subject that I'm wanting to cover a little bit more deeply in a future podcast. So remind me, because I really want to do it, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about allergies, and we sort of like blame the patient. And it's not just because somebody has a weak immune system. These allergens actually can create an allergic reaction by overexposure or frequent exposure. So there you go.
1: There you go, everyone. I'm going to heed the warning and I'll just put in my two cents here at the end. And that is if you have a parrot, parrots are very, very. very sensitive to essential oils. So never, ever, ever use essential oils with your parrot or any birds. I'm going to throw in never do it with your cat because why take yeah. the chance we don't need to it's not a necessity do something else play some music some cat music i'm sure they have cat music on youtube <laughs> sure <laughs> all right guys that's going to do it for this week on the groom pod thanks for joining us please support our sponsors remember to tip your groomers if you so desire on our website thegroompod.com and Happy grooming, everyone. See you next week
0: on The Groom Pod. Bye-bye. Take good care of yourselves because we love you.